0: Uh, Guys, welcome to Impact City. Um, This is the third time I've preached uh, and the third message I've preached in seven days. And my mind is just, I've been all over the place. I've been um, out of town. I've been back in town. I've been um, all over the place when it comes to uh, Christmas and it comes to just family and everywhere. I've just been all over the place and um, I've had to write three different sermons. Uh, we performed last week uh, during the Christmas Eve service, and that was, that was huge. We did uh, about five songs. We just did three songs here. We had to learn all these songs. And that, needless to say, I am probably just as exhausted as you guys are. And just to look up into the crowd and see all you guys here today, I am thankful for that because this is probably the lowest attendance day in the history of churches across uh, the nation. In fact, many churches don't even open up on the 28th of December because they're so tired from doing countless services throughout the week that they don't open up on the 28th. Well, I just, I, didn't, I, mean, I don't feel like we were that tired enough to do that. So here we are today, and I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to come spend it here with us when I know you guys just want to be at home Playing with your new toys that you got for Christmas, or hanging out in your new pajamas that you got for Christmas, or whatever it be, then I'm sure if you're like me, and this is gonna sound bad coming from the pastor, I would rather be home asleep. So thank you for that. I mean honesty here in the church, right? All right. So uh this week, this Sunday, we're wrapping up the series, the the God is now here series. Now, we turned a lot of heads because when people read that, they said, man, God is nowhere. But that, that's not what it went to say. It meant to say, God is now here. And we talked about how some people will look at that and they say, well, you know what? I agree with that. God is nowhere in my life. I don't feel like God is around me because my life is a shambles. My life is going down. Everything sucks. It just, it's just not going right. And I feel like God is nowhere in my life. And we talked about the past five uh, messages have been about... How we know that God is here We know that God is here uh, Because he shows us in different ways We talked about him being a wonderful counselor We talked about him being the mighty God We talked about him being the uh, everlasting father The prince of peace And on Christmas we talked about how he is Emmanuel And that that name actually inspired the name of the series Because Emmanuel basically means God with us And it's true if you just look throughout scripture God is with us If you look upon just your day, God is with you. If you look upon the breath that comes out of your lungs, God is with you. If you feel your chest, the heartbeat, you know that God is with you. If you look at the rain outside, it's proof that God is here with us. He is alive and well. He is working among us. But it begs the question that if God is now here, now what? What? What do we do now? Now what? What's the next step? God is here. That's great. That's awesome. God is here. But what do I do about it? Now what? That's a common question. Amen? We all have that question once wrong? Now what? Now what? What do I do now? We, we, we start a new job. It's like, okay, I'm here. Now what? What do I do? Uh, we're, we're doing something different. We have a new responsibility at work. Okay, okay I got this promotion. Now what? Now what do I do? In life, we have different times where we ask ourselves, now What? I remember as a kid, I was obsessed with hunting. I still am, in a way. If you want to get me away and get me to a place where I can relax, just go take me to a deer blind. Put me somewhere in the middle of the woods so I can just get away from the noise. I am obsessed with hunting. But as a kid, I remember uh, just learning how to hunt and just going through the, the, the growing pains of learning on how to fire a gun, how to how to stalk prey, how to you know track a wounded animal, and just learning all those things. And the first time I ever went hunting was a big learning experience for me. I remember I was so hyped up. I watched hundreds and hundreds of hunting TV shows. We didn't have YouTube back then. We had like TNN. Y'all remember TNN, the 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 the, the uh, Tennessee National Network, whatever. It was like all the all the hillbillies went on TNN, and you got to watch hunting shows and fishing shows with Bill Dance and all that. And so I went on here watched all these hunting shows. And I remember the first time I ever went hunting, it was hog hunting. And I was with my, my dad and his friend, right? And he, he said, okay, mijo, follow me. And I didn't have a gun, so he gave me a single-shot twenty two rifle, which was very old, and I realized it was rusted and just all messed up. But he took me to this pasture, and he told me, not, not me, not a pasture, but a pasture of land. He took me, so said, okay, mijo, I want you to lay down right here, I'm like, lay down? He goes, lay down on your stomach so that the hogs don't see you. I said, okay. He says, now load a bullet in the chamber, and whenever the hogs come around, you're going to shoot one. And I said, okay, where are they going to come from? He says, I'm going to run around the other side of this brocha, this, this brush over here, and I'm going to scare the hogs that are in the, the pond of the water, and then they're, they're, like, they're, they're in the water because it's hot, and they're going to run across the pasture right in front of you, and you're going to shoot them as they run across. I said, great, awesome, this is awesome, great. And so I was laying there, and somewhere along the lines of where I stopped hearing his footsteps, I started thinking, okay, now what? What do I do now? And I heard the rumble of all the hogs coming, right? And I started thinking, how does he know they're going to run in front of me and not on top of me? How does he know they're not going to run behind me, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I see the first couple hogs come up. And I take the first shot, and I'm like, sweet. And here comes more. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I, I went to unload and to reload, and the bullet didn't come out, so I couldn't put another bullet in. And I started thinking... Now what? (laughs) Because what am I going to do? Because I have no more bullets. I can't shoot no more. I was utterly confused and lost. I had no clue on what to do. And if we were honest with ourselves, that's how we feel sometimes in life. Now what? Okay, we got God in our life. Now what? God is here. We want to follow Jesus. Now what? What do we do next? What's the next step? Because if God is now here, then what do I do with that? What do I do with the fact that I now have God in my life? We all know that God is here through His Son, Jesus Christ. We just kind of celebrated that over the past week, Christmas. And we know that God was seeing us in a a state of sin. And He knew that there was only one way for us to be redeemed back to Him. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, in the form of a baby to live a life perfect and grew up to be a man who grew up a perfect life never sinned, never messed up, never, uh, never sinned against his Father. And as the perfect, perfect person, God was able to use him as the spotless Lamb and our Savior to be hung on the cross, to be dragged into a rigged trial, to be crucified for you and me, the people who de- rightly deserve to be crucified, in our place so that we can be reconciled back to God. We know that He is here because once that once He died, once He died, He was buried, and He died that day, that evening. He was buried, and through the burial, and through three days of being away, He arose again. In essence, conquering death and sealing our faith of being able to be reconciled back to God. God is now here. He ascended into heaven. He ascended into heaven in the book of Acts. He is gone. He, he, he goes back up, but He sends the Holy Spirit down Himself through the Holy Spirit to be dwelling in our hearts at all times. And through the Holy Spirit, He is constantly with us if we choose to allow Him. And that's amazing and that's powerful. And that was nothing, I have nothing to take away from that, but I have something to add to that, that while that is amazing and powerful, while that is amazing and powerful, there was something even more important was the way he lived his life. Jesus lived his life in such a way that teaches us what to do now that God is here. Because when Jesus came, he was here in the flesh living on earth. And if he is, if he is here in the flesh living in our bodies, if he is in the Holy Spirit living within us, we have to look at his life and figure out how we are to love one another And that is basically the answer to the question of now what? If God is now here, now what? How do we live? He did many things, but the one thing that can be condensed and summed up into one command is to love one another. In fact, Jesus says it a few times in the Bible. Uh, you don't have to turn there if you want you can it's, it's going to be rapid fire John 13:34 says a new commandment I give to you this is Jesus speaking that you are to love one another just as I have loved you you are also to love one another John 13:35 says by this all the people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another John 15:12 says it is by my commandment that you are to love one another As I have loved you. And John 15, 17 17 says, These things I command to you, so that you will love one another. It's very clear that Jesus wants us to love one another. Not like in a hippie way, but in a spiritual way. God is not here. Now we must love one another. But just how do we do that? And what exactly is that? What exactly is love? Oftentimes we mistake love for what love really is. And we think, and we make the stupid mistake of thinking that love is a feeling. Think love is a feeling. Number one, love is not a feeling because love will not make you happy all the time. If you truly love someone, you're going to realize you're miserable, sorry, at some times in life. Because you love them so much you can't get away from them. It's like this, this, this craziness. Um, You're going to realize that love will never satisfy you. Especially young people. Love will never satisfy everything about you that you need because God is the only thing that can ever satisfy you. People had the mistake of, of... following and pursuing a relationship more than they want to follow and pursue God, and they make the mistake because when that imperfect person lets them down, they they forget about the perfect God that they should have been pursuing, and they believe that this perfect or imperfect person is in some way going to fulfill their, their needs, and they never will. Boyfriends and girlfriends make this mistake all the time. Oh, he is so perfect. He is not perfect. I guarantee you no one is perfect. Love is not something magical. Love doesn't just happen like, oh, I met this guy, and then a day later I'm with him, and he, I mean, so he's so—it's magic. That's a lie. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, That's a feeling. If you look scientifically, when the male and the female get together, they have an urge to procreate. And so I'm using big words because we have little ears. And so they have this urge to procreate, and then they become um, enticed with hormones. That's what we call butterflies in your stomach. That is not love. That's going to end in a very fast time. It's called the honeymoon state. If you've been dating someone for for less than a year, you're probably not even there yet. I remember that when Sarah and I got out of our honeymoon state, it was crazy. And I remember us arguing and fighting in the apartment that we lived in, and both of us kind of of coming to the same conclusion that we're married, we can't leave. Like, like we don't go home. Like, when you're together with someone, you're married, you're committed to someone, you don't have the option of leaving. That's love. It takes work. So love is not magical. Love takes work. The Apostle Paul talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, verse 4. He says that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. How many of you are rude to, your, to, your, to, your, to the person that you so-called love? If you're rude to them, you really don't love them. I know I, I have exceptions, Okay. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. How many of y'all bring up the past when you argue with your loved one? It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures all things. You see, love is a whole lot different than what we think it is. When we think about love, we think about feeling. It's not a feeling. When you think about love, we think about something magical happening, and that's not what it is. When we think about love, we think about a desire that is going to be quenched and satisfied in our hearts. And the truth is, it might temporarily feel that way, but eventually that person will let you down. And then what do you have? If we were to sit here on the verge of a new year, And if we're to be just true with ourselves, if we we want to be right with ourselves, we have to understand that we need to fully understand what love is. This new year coming up could be an amazing year for all of us. If we truly understand what love is. There's four ways we can know what love really is. If we're taking notes, and I hope you are, you can write this down. Because God is now here. We love by serving. We love by serving. Jesus served his disciples while washing their feet. He served them by feeding them. After he fed the five thousand, he had twelve baskets of loaves and fishes. If there were one basket for each disciple, he served his disciples. He he walked alongside them. He dealt with troubles and trials with them. He served his disciples, washing their feet and bathing them before uh, before eating. Before the last supper, he was cleaning their feet. That was serving. He also served all of them. He also served Judas, the guy who was going to betray him with a kiss. He served even the guy who he knew was going to betray him. He loved him as well. If people try to tell you that Jesus never loved Judas or Jesus was mad at Judas for betraying him, that's a lie. Jesus loved Judas just as much as any other one. And by doing that, we ought to do the same. We ought to serve our family and friends. We ought to love and serve our church family. We ought to love and serve our immediate family, our friends, those in the community who are in need, the strangers in the community, the homeless, the people who are living in um, uh, low-income housing, the the single mom, the single dad, the guys struggling to get back on track, the addicts, those are the people we need to serve and love because God said that that is love. Serving someone is an act of love. I remember watching my mother um, serving my grandma in her last years of life. She was uh, paralyzed uh, from the waist down on one half of her body. uh, And she was bedridden for, I think, about 10 years. And she was living in a nursing home. I remember on the weekends going to visit my grandma and my mom literally uh, taking the VO5 little gel and doing her hair in her uh, classic um, ponytails into the top of the head with the bobby pins. I remember her doing that. I remember my mom uh, turning my grandma uh, every once in a while so she wouldn't be on one side. I remember her giving her water with a straw, and I just remember seeing my mom serve my grandma, who was utterly helpless at the time. She only had the use of one arm. I remember thinking that it's love. Like, like I remember asking my mom, like, Mom you must really love grandma. because I do love grandma, but man, mijo, that's just hard work. It's not fun. It's hard to serve someone sacrificially. It's not the best and most fun thing in the world to do. I remember when I I had my knee surgery last year, Sarah had to serve me, and it was funny. But um, it was, um, I mean, she really showed me she loved. I mean, I was a pain in the butt, and she had to do whatever it takes to serve me. But because she loved me, she served me sacrificially with a little bit of grumbling. So because God is now here, we can serve one another. Because God is now here, we serve. We love by serving, and we love by forgiving. Everyone can forgive the small things in life. And you think, well, I can forgive. I forgive people all the time. Uh, I forgive people whenever they leave the toilet seat up in the house that's forgivable, okay? Uh, the toothpaste cap, that's forgivable. Um, and when they crunkle up the toothpaste, that's forgivable, right? Um, I forgive people uh, whenever they eat, like you, whenever you, you eat your friend's lunch. Uh, sometimes on accident, sometimes on purpose because it's better than your lunch. And so you're like, oh, I, didn't know. I thought that was my lunch. I'm sorry. Uh, you can forgive that, right? You can forgive someone trash talking you. You can forgive someone trash talking Tony Romo in December because now he's doing really good. Amen. The 114 quarterback rating, go Cowboys, division champs. I had to put that in there. But Jesus never distinguished between small and great things to forgive. He just simply said to forgive and to forgive often. He said this to Peter when Peter asked him, How often do I, should I forgive? Uh, he said this, he said, then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother who sins against me? And Jesus said, uh, he asked Jesus, as many as seven times? Do I have to forgive him at least seven times? And Jesus said to him, I, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. I said to you, don't just forgive him seven times, but forgive him 70 times seven. You're like, well, that's, you know that's that's a lot. That's a lot of forgiveness. That it is. See, Jesus used the number seven as a way of uh, talking about completeness. The number seven in the Bible meant completeness. So to forgive someone uh, seventy times seventy was to forgive someone for eternity. To continually forgive them as they wronged you and did did you wrong. To forgive them and forgive them and keep coming back and forgiving them. And don't twist this, because a lot of you will. Forgiveness does not mean that you're allowing a person to continue to hurt you, to do wrong to you because you forgave them. And, and, and like, I would never ask a battered, beaten wife to go and forgive her, her abusive husband and go live with him and suffer the consequences and endure that in, in the name of Jesus. I would never ask that. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that we are to forgive because God first forgave us. That no matter what wrong is done to us, it pales in comparison to the wrong we do to God. And if God, who is so rich in mercy and boundless in love, can forgive us for the ultimate sin of denying Him, then we, as mere humans, can forgive someone for wronging us. Jesus continually forgives us as we continually sin against Him. That we can continually forgive people who wronged us. Doesn't mean we have to trust them again. Doesn't mean we have to abide and, and dwell in their anger or dwell in their hurtfulness. But if we can forgive them, we can move on for ourselves. Forgiveness is not something we do for others. It's something we do for ourselves because God said that if we do not forgive them, how can our Father forgive us? Matthew six fourteen. So we love by serving. We love by forgiving. And because God is down here, we love by accountability. There are many reasons why I love Impact City, and this is one of them, is the accountability that we have here in community. We strive for community in Impact City. In fact, that's one of the pillars of our church is church community, where we live in community together. We're constantly texting each other, calling each other, how's everything going? You know, compadre, compadre. We're talking about each other and and talking and and holding each other up. Um, As a community, we're to love each other so much that we hold each other accountable. Um that is, if one of us sees the other person doing something wrong, we're not going to allow that to continue without us at least saying something. Because that's not really love. Um, Ryan loves to play with uh, BB guns and bow and arrows and stuff like that, and really awesome cool toys that that, that he has. Not really toys, they're real weapons, you know. But I would never allow Ryan to, like, taunt a raging bull with a BB gun or something. Like, like I was a kid, I did that as a child, and it did not go good at at the ranch. I would not allow Ryan to do the same thing to the bull, okay? Then in the same way, I would not allow any one of us to continue in sin so blatantly and so openly. I would say, man, can we talk about this? There's something wrong. And as Christians, we are to do that to each other. There's a a scripture that says, Um, thou shalt not judge, but that's not what this is talking about. We are to judge and call out the sins of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it holds us accountable. It's a reflection of Christ. Let me tell you, when you do it, it's hard. When you do it, it's painful. When you do it, they're going to get mad at you, and they're probably going to walk away, and more than likely, you might lose a friend. But you know that you did the right thing. The Bible says in James 5.19, He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and if someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. He's saying, dude, go for it. So we love by serving, we love by forgiving, we love by accountability, and finally, because God is now here, we love by encouraging we love encouraging. There's a lot of reasons why I love this church, like I said, but, but by far this is the best one because we are a church that encourages people and challenges people. We're not a church that simply just meets your, your, your needs and kind of just, just, just gives you what you want to hear. We're a church that gives you what you want to hear and then challenges you and encourages you to do beyond better for yourself. Not just me, but the other leadership here in Impact City, we're going to challenge you to do better because we know that God has something better for you. And it just takes hard work to get there. See, no one was made to live this life alone. That's why we do community here. And we do it so we can encourage each other along the way. Here at Impact City, I consider us family. I always say it's almost familia here, man. We are number one. We are family. We live for each other. We fight for each other. We cry with each other. We rejoice in the happy times together. We are a family that lifts each other up in prayer and in love. And we do it constantly here. If you've never experienced that here with us, I apologize because for some reason we've left you out. And if that's the case, talk to me. We want to be a church that's together. If that's the case, come to the missional city group. There's a lot of amazing things that happen on Wednesday nights at missional city groups. It's a lot more laid back. Well, this is where we love and encourage each other. And let me just encourage you with this. And I'll leave with this. This is going to be it. This is kind of a, of the end all right here. We've had an amazing year this year. As we finish out the year in 2014, I'm excited to say we've had such an amazing, amazing year. We've had uh, 10 people surrender, over 10 people surrender their life to Christ, and we've had nine baptisms. Most churches average about one to two a year. We've had an amazing amount of people come and surrender their life to Christ. We have an amazing amount of people who are uh, on the verge of doing that, who are, who are wandering, who are here because they, they enjoy being here, and they enjoy hearing about God and the Word. And we're, just, I see 2015 as being so much better than 2014. In 2014, we uh, effectively impacted so many people else uh, outside of our walls. We impacted the women's shelter of South Texas with roses on Valentine's Day this year. And we did uh, serenading them with a the guitar. We went and we sang to the ladies there at the women's shelter. Something that is not actually uh, prohibited by most people to actually go into the women's shelter and play put on a little concert for them for Valentine's Day. That was an amazing time we had. Um, we did Christmas stockings for the women's shelter as well. We all did that a couple weeks ago. We had 35 stockings stuffed to the brim, and they were so excited to get that donation to them. They were just amazed by that. Um, we have impacted Lexington Manor Apartments with after-school mo- movies programs, uh, block parties, movie nights, and turkeys on Thanksgiving. I didn't even know we did that. That was something that, that they came to in the last minute. I just I totally forgot to tell you, we gave them turkeys on Thanksgiving. Um, we have been able to graciously, and by the grace of God, we love this project. We've been able to bless the Exodus project, uh, both with the, the men's meeting, uh, with their youth uh, uh, retreats, and with the women's retreats. We have been able to speak at Exodus three times this year. That's amazing for us. Between me and Sarah, three times this year, we've been able to send some of our members to Exodus and really enjoy the outdoors and God in a way that is cutting edge for a lot of people. Uh, we've uh, impacted the community around us through the Trunk or Treat. That was an amazing time. If you were here at Trunk or Treat, you'll know that it was fun. It was like having a, a club out here at, uh, you know, like at nine o'clock at night out here in the parking lot. It was amazing on Halloween. Um, Lexington Baptist, we impacted them with the Mega Sports Camp. We volunteered, had um, like over 140-some kids from all over the city come to a Mega Sports Camp here for a week in the summer. And we teamed up with Lexington Baptist and we did that. For those of you who volunteered for that? I uh, Thank you, because it was a lot of work. It was it was insane. The food bank of Corpus Christi. We did a canned food drive for uh, Thanksgiving. Filled up a 55 barrel drum full of canned foods for them. And then ultimately, we went global and we gave a donation to the um, to the Iraqi Christians uh, through World Vision. So we did a lot of things throughout the world. Not to mention our sponsored child that we have through World Vision, where we sponsor a child to give her food and water and education and a better place to live uh, in Puerto Rico. This is what we do as a church. It's an amazing year. And let me um, end with this bit of encouragement and challenge. Is In a minute, we're going to watch a video. And on this video, you're going to see all the great things that, that we've done this year. And I want you just to kind of sit back and relax. It's a little lengthy because we did a lot this year. I want you to look at the video and I want you just to pray. For one, pray about how you're going to top that this year. How does God want you to top what we did last year with what we're going to do next year? Okay? And then I want you to just be looking at the video and I want you to notice one thing. I want to challenge you with this. Because you're going to see a lot of faces in this video that are not here anymore. You're going to see a lot of people in this video that simply don't come to church anymore here. And for whatever reason, whether they moved away, whether they had a job transfer, or whether they just uh, disagreed with something and they they, they never came back, or they don't want to be here, whatever it is, I want to challenge you not to become that. I want to challenge you to take ownership of this church. I want to challenge you to become a part of something that's going to impact the city and to endure it to endure the hardships of growing up in the church. There are so many times when I will go home after a long day of serving the community or doing whatever it takes, whether it's going door to door, whatever, and I really feel like giving up on this church. As a pastor, I'm being transparent. But because I've taken ownership of this and this is something that I feel God has called me to, I endure it. Here's the other thing about love is that love endures hardships. And if we are going to be in love with what God is doing here, we have to be willing to endure it, even when it gets hard. Even when it doesn't go our way, we have to endure it. Even when it challenges us to do something better and become something better as a person, and we don't see it, we endure it. So as you're looking at the video, as you're seeing a lot of familiar faces, and I couldn't believe how many there were, it saddened me to see so many people that I love and still love not here anymore. But it encourages me to see so many new faces. And you see the video. You'll see yourselves in the video like, oh, man, that's when I started coming. I remember that. Man, that's when I first came to church. Oh man, That was my first Sunday when I first came here. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's so many. Look at all these things I've been through already. For those of you who have served in NPEXC, thank you so much for a great year. I look forward to seeing what this church does next year. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, and we thank you for uh, just what you've done in 2014. God, we offer 2015 to you, and we pray that you would just bless it and do with it as you wish. That you would allow us to be a light in the darkness of Corpus Christi. That you allow us to do something incredibly more than we could ever ask or imagine. That you would work within this church body and do something great with it that you may challenge us and encourage us to do bigger and better things, that we may go big in 2015. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray for those who are not here today. We pray for those who are, have been, um, or are out of town, who are traveling. God, and we just pray for them to have a safe return. God, and I also want to just pray for the offering, that you would just um, allow this offering to be all that we need and nothing that we want. God, that you may provide for your church. You may provide for the needs of the the ministry that you have set here at Impact City Church as well. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Guys, watch this video. After the video, we're dismissed. But take some time to really enjoy this video and take a look at how far we've come in one year. Check this out.